Jackie. And I'm Candice. Welcome to WTF. Women Talk Finance. Our WTF podcast will take a simplified approach to finance. And we talk about investing, a topic we believe women don't talk enough about. We'll discuss common financial questions and challenges that women face in business and throughout their personal lives. I'd like to give a quick disclosure before we begin our conversation. This overview is for informational purposes only. We might include some projections and those should not be relied upon for the purpose of investing. Past performance is not indicative of future results and any investments we mention are meant for accredited investors only. And any offer can only be considered upon review of a prospectus and relevant offering documentation. So please keep this in mind as we move through this overview and remember that these are our opinions only. All right, welcome back, Winnie Reese. She is an attorney, she is an entrepreneur, and she is a philanthropist. And the last session we spoke with Winnie, we talked about uh, creating something that you believe in and a lot of the human elements that go into being either a creative or a lawyer. And we talked about failure. And we're back today, we have this statistic, um, a recent study of Gen Zers, so those born between 1997 and 2012, concluded that 72% of them want to start their own company. Uh, Utilizing entrepreneurship to have control over their lives, become debt-free, and to choose a purposeful life. So entrepreneurs can create their own schedules. We we know this. We like this. (laughs) And can potentially create the work-life balance that many seek. But we'll talk today with Winnie about starting your own business um, for some of the reasons we just mentioned and more. So let's start there. As the Creatives Council... Um, What have you seen with young people that want to start their own businesses and launch right in? Tell us anything and everything about how you'd guide them. Thank you for having me back. (laughs) It's always a pleasure. Um, With regards to people wanting to start their own businesses at 72%, the number doesn't surprise me at all. It actually may even be low. The first thing that I always talk with people about is what is their big picture? What do they want out of this? Why are they wanting to do this? What do they want out of it personally and professionally? I think there's a very um, pervasive misconception around the work-life balance that you get as an entrepreneur. I think that social media, although wonderful uh, and full of beautiful images, can foster a misunderstanding of what that life is like, uh, especially the... Um, financial element of it you know that you can you can make anything look like the most bougie luxury experience ever Uh, and then you'll see you know that it was shot out back behind a gas station you know like I don't know in the city or whatever like it's just not um, necessarily what it always seems and so helping people understand from the outset what their goal is what their motivation is what they need out of this experience personally and professionally um is is always a place to start um it will also um help kind of guide where you go from a legal and financial perspective as to the the actual steps of setting up a business but it's really important to have that self-reflection at the outset so let's talk more about this because that stat was for Gen Zers, but what are you seeing generationally through the Creatives Council? Because I think the bug for entrepreneurship didn't just start with Gen Z. I think a lot of generations have that bug and maybe maybe people are just now deciding to get in and, and maybe they're an exer and, and this is their first entrepreneurial step. So give us kind of a landscape of this generational group that you're seeing. So uh, 
there we have clients that range anywhere in age from oh gosh probably like 14 all the way up to I would say 60s and there's definitely um, groups in there where it's heavier uh, as far as the number of people who are kind of pursuing this entrepreneurial life but I think especially right now, we may even see those numbers creep up with this whole, uh, you know, great, the great resignation where, you know, we'll see a a lot of people uh, making changes. We've even seen um, very, very experienced late in life doctors who due to changes within the healthcare system, mergers, acquisitions, and restructuring, that they're saying, not for me, not right now. I'm going to go and I'm going to do something completely different. And so I think that this idea of of entrepreneurialism and what that looks like for people really is is pretty broad. A lot of people also are having side businesses that they um, take on. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't put the desire to start something new past anybody um, based on age. When you're talking to people in different stages of life, is the message different? Do you have a different conversation with somebody who is in that 14, 15? I certainly know a few of them who are like, this is what I'm doing. I am always going to work for myself. And maybe somebody who is this this is a new chapter for them. They've never done something entrepreneurial. They've had a very long career that was, you know, stable. And, and now that has shifted. Do, what are your messages or are they the same? Not the same entirely. Um, again, it kind of comes back to that initial discussion of what do you want out of this? Um, you know, because I suppose you could theoretically have somebody who's 14 and somebody who's 60 in the same financial situation and maybe they have the same goals for their business. That doesn't tend to be the case, but it certainly can be the case. So I always start there. Um, but then it's, you know, especially with people who are kind of in that younger I would say more in the 20s-ish demographic. We talk a lot about the evolution of business. Let's not pigeonhole ourselves. Here are examples of how businesses have started, um, how they've evolved, you know, finding what part of that business that you're starting is going to to give you the success that you're seeking. Um, you know, is it something that you are trying to build for purposes of having it forever? You know, probably more likely than not, if you are later in life, whatever business you're starting, you're not necessarily starting it because you think that you're going to sell it, you know, and cash in for many millions of dollars. I tend to see in the younger demographic an incredibly passionate and optimistic outlook on most new business endeavors that this is going to make them, you know, really substantial wealth by the time they're 35 and they're going to retire forever and travel the world. And so those two conversations just look different. You're also dealing with different life experience. Um, Even I have very different life experience than an attorney who is in their 60s. Um, they've, They've seen a heck of a lot more. And so I think that the conversation does have to take into account that element of a person's makeup as well. Let's get into the down and dirty of starting a business. And disclaimer, 
you're not giving legal advice. No one here is giving or receiving legal advice. But from a very high level, when you want to start a business, you need a business plan, right? To the very, really some of the details, you need filing documents. If you're going to start a business, you need a bank account. Walk us through, say someone is sitting at home on the couch, they've got this brilliant idea for the business they want to start. How do you kick off that conversation with them? Or rather, how can they go kick off that process for themselves? So, um, yes, not legal advice. <laughs> All the disclaimers everywhere, big red flashing lights. Um, but typically speaking, if I was talking to somebody who's starting a business, um, we're going to start and we've had the conversation of what do you see for yourself? What do you need out of this? Um, then we're going to be looking at um, first of all, I always really encourage people, even before they start the legal filing process, to get informed about their industry and the business in general. Um, there is a heck of a lot of information out there, misinformation or incomplete information through DIY websites, even DIY legal sites. They don't give you the full picture necessarily, and that can end up being incredibly harmful. So if you understand the business, if you understand the industry, you understand where the potential risks are, where the potential pitfalls are, and that's going to help with your structure. Um, I also encourage people from the outset to prepare themselves for that self-doubt that will absolutely creep in, um, as well as criticism. And once we've kind of had, you know, I don't say you have to put together some incredibly in-depth outline of this it doesn't need to be a presentation it doesn't need to be anything like that but just just jot notes and have that reflection um even go you know binge watch a netflix show on small businesses and see kind of what drew me in and what didn't so that you can learn what else is out there um because as is the nature of business, there's competition and you need to know what is out there in order for you to excel beyond that. Um, so that's the first step that I kind of dive into. After you've done that type of uh, evaluation and reflection, then you're really getting into the actual structure of your business. So that's where you're going to be choosing what type of entity that you're going to form as. Um, more often than not, based on what we see, it ends up being an LLC because at least... Uh, in a number of the states that we work in, there's a lot of tax flexibility there since you can elect what types of what type of taxation. Um, so you're setting up your LLC, which you can typically do through the Secretary of State. Um, I I caution people, if you're going to do the DIY websites to set up those LLCs, read the terms. Um, in many states, you are not required to have an annual filing fee, such as in Minnesota. You're not required to have an annual filing fee and you can be your own registered agent, but the sites um, automatically opt you into paying them an annual fee for X number of years to be that for you. So you're spending money you don't need to spend. And I'm just going to interject with one thing too, to that point, understand what an LLC is and why you might want one. Yes. Uh, there are different types of corporate entities. You can have a corporation, you can have an S-corp, you can have an LLC, which stands for Limited Liability Company. There is a whole world of reasoning and rationale behind why you might want that. They're built to protect you, right? If you are Bob and you want to have a bakery, do you want to open Bob's Bakery without the protections of an LLC? Or do you want to form Bob's Bakery LLC and then go out and start a business? So little plug for attorneys. It's good to have a professional kind of guide you through what it means to have an LLC, why you might want that. Agreed. Agreed on that. And I do think that that's an important conversation to have and to find 
a legal counsel who you're comfortable talking with at least through those options um, because also a lot of people fall into the pitfall of um, you know I'm going to be a sole proprietor because I read somewhere that unless I make X number of dollars, I can just be a sole proprietor. And they don't understand that that doesn't give them any legal protection and all of their savings could still be on the line. Um, So for for sure, understanding the differences between the entities, um, figuring out the right one for you and your uh, business, which probably does require talking to a lawyer for at least a little bit of time. Um, Many lawyers will offer complimentary consultations. I know that we do and can generally talk through that um, during that time. And then after you get uh, the, the filing set up, Um, you're getting an EIN number, which again, don't be duped. It is free to get uh, if you do it online. Um, For our clients, we actually have just started sending people links with instructions on how to do stuff because it is pretty self-explanatory. It can be messed up, but it's pretty self-explanatory and it saves them money. Um, Making sure that you have business insurance. It's pretty alarming to me how many people don't have business insurance, uh, especially when they're dealing with really pretty high liability um, areas. Uh, They think if they are incorporated that there's no problem, they'll be fine. Um, Or, you know, if they aren't, they're also just not worried about it. And um, business insurance does not have to be incredibly expensive. It can be affordable. You can get good coverage. um, And in most cases, in nearly all cases, I would recommend business insurance. Um, it's a small price to pay for the potential of what could happen if you don't have that. Um, making sure your licensing is in order if your business does require licensing. Um, and then, you know, I think really understanding your team structure um, and how to do it right. Um, burnout of entrepreneurs, no matter the area that you are in, whether it is an artist, whether it is a yogi, whether it is a chiropractor, whether it is a musician, um, burnout is is everywhere. And if you don't have a team in place, that burnout is going to be incredibly taxing. It's going to make you resentful and it's going to take the joy away from it. That is such an important point and something I think we have talked about or touched on briefly and plan to more. Um, it'd be awesome to get a statistic on that because I'm making this up. But I, I've heard something like, you know, if you meet a successful entrepreneur, they have failed X number of times before they succeeded. And this goes back to our last discussion about failure. And it goes to this idea of burnout. Being a successful entrepreneur can look one way, but the reality behind it, again, let's dig this statistic out, but it's very likely they've had multiple failures prior to success. It's that Instagram versus reality. I think a lot of times it looks really glamorous um, and it's hard, right? But it's yours. And I think that's what makes it so rewarding is that it is yours. I want to touch on being the non-lawyer. I can plug lawyers. I will say two things. Well, three things you always spend money on. Lawyers, accountants, and my uncle always said a good garden hose. So we'll throw that one in there as well. But <laughs> no, I am obviously, he does. But um, those, those I think can lead to the burnout quicker is when you're trying to play a lawyer and you're trying to play an accountant. No, you don't play one on TV. Don't play one in your business. They don't have to be astronomically expensive 
but that's not supposed to be a barrier to starting your company. Um, but it is very, very, very worth that initial upfront expense to hire quality counsel and a quality accountant. Every day you hear about people making money by investing in IPOs and startups. But what about you? These kinds of investments are simply not available to Main Street investors. At Rowe Capital Group, we are committed to providing access to strategic, early-stage, primarily low-market correlated investment opportunities. Accredited investors go to rowcapitalgroup.com for more information. Rowe Capital Group, empowering your financial journey. How does somebody who is in their heart and soul a creative, this is their passion, how do they put on maybe that more analytical hat and do some of the things that are required in business? You take a lot of those things kind of off their plate, uh, but there there are times they have to put on that analytical hat. They have to work through that business plan. They have to maybe work through some of the financial questions or pitch clients. Um, and oftentimes artists sometimes speak in a different language than somebody in finance. How do how do you bridge that gap? Truly, the best way that I've found to bridge that gap is to help a creative understand what they, they really genuinely care about in their business, what they could not do without. And that actually typically ends up being around their intellectual property because that is something that has come from their brain, um, whether, again, you are... Um, let's say you are a content creator, you create videos, you are capturing what you are seeing in your eye and you have some emotion attached to that and you have a value placed on that that is more than most people could probably conceptualize. And whether or not that value could ever be um, realized by another person doesn't change how much you care about it. And so if you can help a creative to find something about their business that they care that much about, they can then work with their team of professionals to be able to use that as an example to play off of. If they're talking about legal, it's like, okay, well, I really care about this footage that I shot of Banff. How do I protect that? What do I, what do I need to do that? Okay, I understand that in order to protect that, I've got to file all sorts of copyrights and maybe there's trademarking in there. I don't really know. That means money. Okay, financial team. I know that I need money to protect this asset because this is valuable. And here are some good numbers that are attached to it that make it even better asset that's worth protecting. So use that to help figure out what, uh, where you want to invest in and who you're going to maybe seek funding from or, um, you know, additional financial protection, um, whether or not you're going to leverage it maybe for a business loan. If you're talking about, again, the assets of your company, if you can help people to understand kind of what they care about that has value in a way that a um, analytical or maybe professional career person might view that value and you can correlate the value, that is a way that um, many have been able to have really good conversations and and facilitate a lot of the kind of groundwork themselves. 
I think you're talking about like orienting or reorienting or helping someone with perspective to help train their mind on, again, focusing on that value. I think there can be a disconnect between creatives. You know, say you've got a filmmaker who wants to go do a pitch to some executives. Very commonly, those executives are going to be honing in on financials, right? And that's not the language that the creative is speaking. The creative is talking about what's valuable to them. Look at this content I made. I want to protect it. That's kind of just one example of a challenge that might exist in this type of environment. Can you identify any other challenges that creatives might have as they're journeying into entrepreneurship? A lot of it comes around finance, obviously. That's really truly the biggest thing comes around the financial side of it. Also, the partnership and the brand side of it. Um, A lot of times with growth, creatives are wanting to work with a company and a lot of companies right now are wanting to work with creatives as well and do features on small businesses or artists or, you know, um, a painter from this community, whatever it might be. And um, that can be an obstacle because also creatives, when they start speaking about what they're passionate about, they spiral and I do it too. And it's one of those, it's one of those areas that you really want to help them understand. You want to protect that because if you go in and you're giving them all of these ideas and all of this magic, whether it's for a business pitch, a financial pitch, a partner pitch, whatever it might be, um, a speaking pitch, any of that, what what they don't often realize and what I've had to learn the hard way myself is that you go into it thinking this person loves what I do and they are excited to partner with me. They go into it thinking this is a business endeavor and I want to see the financials and I want to see the legal and I don't really care about the person on the other side of it and I'm going to do everything that I can to protect our business and to get us the most money. Those are completely like opposing um, perspectives and approaches. And so I think that if you can, um, you know, prepare for that, recognize that reality, and then take some pretty simple steps to protect your work um, going into those types of growth endeavors, you're going to be better off. I love this because this is where really business is is happening, right? Every business we see has been the marrying of a creative something being created, and then the parties and the team around it that can logistically make it happen. And so I think it's like this really beautiful concept. And it's it's so at a basic grassroots level. At that early entry stage, we see these huge companies, and, and this is really hitting people right when they're just coming up with the ideas. Uh, so this is amazing. How can people find you and, and maybe find some of these resources? Um, well, they're welcome to find me online uh, at thecreativescouncil.com, and it's council spelled S-E-L, not C-I-L, um, Instagram, The Creatives Council, and you're always welcome to send me a message. Um, we do complimentary consultations, and um, we are only licensed in a certain number of states, but that doesn't mean that I can't um, talk with you and see if I can find other resources for you. So um, yeah, I welcome all conversations. Thank you so much for being here with us. This, this information is truly invaluable, and I think a big takeaway for me is that this can be really daunting, but also very exciting. And the the theme here is like, find those resources, right? This is a big thing. It's a big deal. Being a creative and launching a business, tons of upside and, and great potential, lots of pros, a um, little bit of, you know, scary territory, but find those resources that can help you navigate through it. And so. your passion 
can be your business. I think that's at the core, right? The things you're passionate about, the things that you love and can feel pride in can be a business. You just, you need a good team, like you said. Thank you, Winnie. Thank you. Thank you for sharing part of your day with us. Please hit that subscribe button so you can stay up to date with the WTF Women Talk Finance podcast. Email us with questions, suggestions, or just say hi at media at rowcapitalgroup.com. Again, thank you for listening to WTF Women Talk Finance podcast. <laughs>